Hey everybody, Sal Capaccio here, WGR Sports Radio 550, Bill Sideline Reporter, inviting you to do what I do every Wednesday and Friday night. That's check out 30 Minutes Live with CDP, coming at you from Ontario, right on your Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube channels. You can check it out every Wednesday and Friday night, just like I do. 30 Minutes Live with CDP. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to Live with CDP podcast today. As you guys can see, I'm wearing my Buffalo Bisons hat and my... Uh, Buffalo Bisons jersey. So I'm looking forward to my guest today, uh, Pat Malacaro, uh, the radio voice of the Buffalo Bisons on 1520 ESPN in Buffalo. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about talking to him about uh, the Buffalo Bisons and the return to Saline Field after, uh, I think, 711 days uh, uh, being away. And I guess with AAA baseball being canceled last year, and then this year the Blue Jays playing in uh, Buffalo until, uh, what, two weeks ago, I believe. So just, guys, bear with me one second, and I will bring on Pat. And I really appreciate Pat coming on today. And one second, guys. Hi, Pat. How you doing? Good, Chris. Good to chat with you today. Good. Can you hear and see me okay? Loud and clear. Looking Perfect. good. Thank you. StreamYard's great. And just for you, I got my Bison's gear on, and I also put in uh, the ballpark in my background, too. I love it. It's a beautiful background, and I hope you get to wear that Bison's jersey and cap down in, uh, in Buffalo very soon. Yes, I really like AAA baseball. It's like the American Hockey League in hockey. It's just just slightly below Major League Baseball, but it's really I love it because uh, the ballpark is easy to get to from the Peace Bridge. Uh, parking is good. Your price, ticket prices are more than reasonable, and 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 you have good food. And it's a really nice ballpark. I'm oh, glad to hear that. I'm glad you've had such great experiences. I know uh, fans from Southern Ontario make up such a big part of our fan base, and that's the unfortunate part right now is. They're not going to be able to come down to Salem Field, at least at the start uh, for, for August the 10th, uh, as things stand right now. But, you know, $10 general admission tickets. If you're a Bisons fan and you've maybe sat down the right field line before and never had the chance to sit between the baselines, you know, between home plate or, or first base, and this would be your opportunity. So hopefully um, our friends in Southern Ontario, you included, uh, will be able to come join us soon. And uh, I just can't wait for what a week away from now from when we record this uh, to be able to be in the broadcast booth again. It's going to be a lot of fun. I was going to say it's next Tuesday at seven Oh five against uh, Rochester Red Wings. If I'm correct. Yep. Yeah. There'd be four home stands total and they're uh, three, six game series and a five game series at the end. Uh, so August the 10th is the first home game. Um, I'm actually in Buffalo still get helping get uh, the ballpark ready to go and our broadcast uh, set to go and, 7.05, we've got a great night planned for the first night of the season. We'll have a Friday night bash, which, which if, if you've been to a Friday night game before, uh, we'll have a lot of fireworks throughout the course of uh, the final 23 home games of the year. So it uh, should be a really fun night at the ballpark. And like you mentioned at the outset, it's been 711 days, or will have been 711 days since the Bisons actually lost to Rochester at the end of the 2019 season, went on the road to Scranton, and then unfortunately have never come home since. I was going to say, and the Blue Jays were at 660 days off being away from the Rogers Center. So that's a long time. That's hard to believe. It is. And, you know, I had the fortune of being at uh, Salem Field last summer when the Blue Jays used downtown Buffalo uh, as their home. And then again this year, uh, helping out the folks uh, from Toronto a little bit again. So, uh, you know, and that was great to see. You know, we talk about the Bison fans coming back to, to games next week. It was great to see fans, period, at the ballpark. Um, you know, some of the other work I've done, a uh, colleague of Sal Capaccio's at WGR helping out with the Sabre broadcasts. And 
whether it was the Blue Jays last summer or the Sabres this past winter into the spring, no fans, you get used to it after a while, but you could really feel that it was still missing. And when there were 14,000, albeit a lot of Red Sox fans for that final series in Buffalo last couple weeks ago, it was just great to hear that murmur of the ballpark of people just living and breathing with every ball and strike. Yeah, my uh, last sporting event actually was uh, um, for, for for pro sports was uh, October 2019 when I saw my Philadelphia Eagles beat the Buffalo Bills at uh, then New Era Field. I can't keep a track of the name of the stadium now. I think it's Highmark Stadium mm-hmm. now, I believe. But uh, I'm only an hour and a half, two hours from Buffalo. Before COVID, I was coming over once a month because I love going to the Bills games, even though I'm an Eagles fan, and then the Bisons and the Sabres. And everybody in Western New York has been great. And everybody in your industry, especially the Buffalo market, has been great with coming on my podcast too. Well, that's great to hear. I mean, I'm somebody who I was born and raised in Buffalo, in the city itself. And a lot of my memories growing up were going over to Crystal Beach. Um, my family had a cottage over there when I was very young, and it was always something we did. Uh, we always loved going across the border. And um, even one of the last things that I remember doing uh, pre, pre-COVID um, back in January of 2020 was going across the border on a Sunday afternoon and having some dinner up uh, just across the border. So uh, I myself and I know a lot of, of people that I've grown up with, um, you know, we do, we've crossed the border and, and love to go to the other side. So I know the feeling's mutual for everybody. And uh, you know, it's something we don't uh, take for granted and it isn't lost on us either. Okay. Uh, is it okay if I just show you a clip that it's a couple of years old, but it was just basically when you first uh, took over the radio voice of the Buffalo Bisons. It's, uh, I believe, the clips from WIVB. It's just like a, a two-minute clip or whatever of uh, when you took over for Ben Wagner. Is that okay? I usually do sure. this with my uh, guests like to try to promote them on here with video footage. So it just one second. Can you hear it okay? Well, despite all the soggy weather, yep. baseball yep. is back in Buffalo, although we're a bit of a hiatus for now. Right. Bison's uh, home opener underway and on delay as we speak. We've been showing you what's new at Coca-Cola Field all day on News 4. News 4's Ellie Ingersoll continues our coverage this afternoon. She joins us live outside the ballpark to introduce us to the new voice of the herd. Ellie. Christy and Dave, yeah, not a great day for baseball today. Mother Nature currently winning out, but the Bisons are up right now, 3-2, top of the fifth during that rain delay. A lot of fans out here, they're pretty excited, but no one is as, is as excited as Pat Malacaro. He is the new voice of the Buffalo Bisons, and he has been waiting for this game for a very, very long time. And this was always the goal. This South Buffalo boy is making himself right at home here in the Buffalo Bisons broadcast booth. To me, this is sort of my major leagues because growing up here, this is something I always aspired to and wanted to do. Pat Malacaro has been called up to call games for the Buffalo Bisons, making his way through the farm system, starting his broadcasting career in Batavia with the Muck Dogs before landing back at his home ballpark this season. To finally get that opportunity to reach the goal that I wanted to reach in becoming the play-by-play voice of the, of the Bisons. Malacaro has been broadcasting for 10 years, but he's been affiliated with the Bisons off and on for almost 20. He spent his summers working as a bat boy here in the late 90s, and that's when he really fell in love with baseball and broadcasting. I like to be able to tell stories and, you know, when you listen to games on the radio, you feel like you're a part of the booth. You feel like you're right there with the play-by-play guys or the color commentator. 
The herd's new voice spends hours preparing for each game, taking notes, mingling with members of the team, making sure he knows the stories and stats about the players. When you get a job in this capacity, there's a lot of expectations. The Bison's newest broadcasting team member says he knows he has big shoes to fill and he isn't focusing on what could come next if he could be tapped to call major league games like his predecessors. Instead, all of his attention is on this ballpark, this team, and this season. To be able to tell stories and to talk to fans, and that's what I get nervous about is not bringing the best broadcast forward and, and hoping I do that every game. Pat says that he doesn't really have a pregame ritual quite yet, but he does have a pump-up playlist he listens to. Some of the music on there includes Need to Breathe. That's an artist. He says if he had a walkout song, it would be the song Happiness by them. Now, if you want to listen to Pat and, Pat and Duke call the games, all you have to do is tune into AM 1520 during every Bison's game. Now, we are keeping an eye on the turf, uh, or on the tarp, rather. It's still covering the field here right now. Back in the studio, though, I know you guys are keeping an eye on the weather, so we're going to have you guys check in on that the bison fans i'm sure will be anyways uh that clip is courtesy of wivb channel four i found it earlier today pat and i thought i would uh uh play it on here if that was okay because I, I like to do that with my guests and i thought that was a nice little uh, story they did on you there yeah uh ellie did a great job with it and it brings back a lot of memories because i know it was only a couple of years ago but the season didn't start out all that great actually um you know looking back on 2018 we got postponed the team was postponed four straight days in rochester because uh it snowed so much there was the tarp was literally stuck to the field they couldn't pull it off because they were worried about ripping the turf out with it so i had to wait four extra days to call my first game uh, as the full-time play-by-play voice of the bisons and then the home opener had a rain delay so you know it was one of those things where the weather at the beginning of 2018 wasn't all that great but uh it was a lot of fun and uh you know, it brings back a lot a lot of fun times that you know, fortunately, I'll have the chance to make new ones coming up in a couple of days. What's it like being the fourth uh, uh, radio play-by-play announcer in the Buffalo Bisons uh, current era? Now, I know you took over from Ben Wagner, or Ben Wagner, who's now with the Blue Jays, and then you took over from Jim, or uh, before him was Jim Rosenhaus, who's now with the Cleveland Indians or the Guardians. Who was before Jim? That's Pete Weber. He's currently with okay. the National Predators, and uh, Pete and I actually had a fun conversation the other day because. Pete was the play-by-play voice when the team moved from War Memorial Stadium to now Salem Field. It was then Pilot Field back in 1988. And he was the probably the voice and one of the, the, the front-facing figures of the Bison's push to be an expansion team in Major League Baseball, the teams that went to uh, the Rockies and the Marlins. Well, Pete had a chance to finally see a Major League Baseball game at Salem Field. It was about 34 years too late. But, uh, you know, it was that exciting uh, exciting moment that I got to share with him recently. And uh, it's an incredible honor. It's something, you know, as a kid growing up and listening to Pete, and then I interned under Jim Rosenhouse and then working with Ben Wagner, not only at home games, but uh, helping him out on the road as well. Um, it's something that I always worked for, like I mentioned in that piece with Allie. Um, you know, it's something that I always wanted to do. That was the goal for me. And to be the voice here in the modern era that is from Buffalo growing up in watching and, and living in dying with the bison, so to speak, over the years. Um, that's something that I really take a lot of pride in. And I had John Murphy on back in February, the voice of the Bills, who was kind enough to come on here. I think he called a couple of Bisons games too at one point, I believe. 
Yeah, John Murphy did with uh, with Pete Weber. There's Greg Brown, who's currently with the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was a, a, a broadcast member of the team as well. And you know, my partner, Duke McGuire, has been one of the constants through it all. He's been uh, somebody, if, if you've ever seen The Natural, he's one of the, the New York Knights in that movie. And uh, he, he's in one of the final scenes. You, you'd, you'd see him uh, clear as day. Uh, the hair might be a little more gray than it was back in 1983. But uh, Duke, definitely, you can, you can pick him out in, in that movie. And um, he's he's a great partner to work with. So there's been a lot of um, you know very good and talented people that have worked in the Bison's broadcast booth over the years, and um, very lucky to be just uh, you know a small part of that group. Okay, how hard was last year uh, when there was no uh, minor league baseball? How hard was that for you not being able to to call some baseball games for the Bison's last year? It was hard, but at the same time we were all in the same boat, right? If, yeah. if you're a minor league broadcaster. And certainly in the major league side, teams didn't travel last year. So, you know, Ben was calling Blue Jays games from studio at, at Sportsnet uh, in Toronto. So um, it was difficult, but with what was going on, and that's the other thing too, is always trying to have perspective. And um, at the end of the day, um, you know, we were safe and healthy here in Buffalo, myself and my family. So uh, that's that was the most important thing. And uh, knowing that baseball will be coming back at some point. It's, it's of course, the uncertainty of what will, will it look like when it comes back and, you know, what will the restrictions be or what, what will the responsibilities, the role be uh, when we go back to baseball. But the fact that uh, all the minor league broadcasters were pretty much in the same boat of not being able to call games, um, it really wasn't that big of a uh, of an issue last year. And it, like I mentioned, I helped the Blue Jays. So I was around baseball even still in August and into September. So maybe that was a, a little, you know, extra, extra little nice thing to have uh, to be able to still go to the ballpark for 20 some games. And I was going to say, um, I'm so happy for Ben Wagner, I guess the sports net, which the company, which uh, does sports net Rogers, which I'm a volunteer with, by the way, um, I never agree with their decision, but I'm so glad they brought back Ben on radio. Cause I think he does a really good job on the radio. And to me, as a longtime baseball fan, I think radio is just as important as TV. And I think I, I, I hope teams don't get, get away from the the radio broadcast of uh, baseball games. Yeah. Ben is, is a very good friend of mine. I was very happy for him. And when he told me the news last week, I could not have been more excited and, I uh, had a chance to tune in a couple of times uh, over these first couple of games and looking forward to listening to him a few more times because there might be a few guys that, that are playing in the game uh, for the Blue Jays in the next couple of days that whether it's because players get healthy or uh, or just need to be sent down, uh, there might be things that I need to know about uh, those guys playing in Toronto right now. So it'd be good to hear Ben and, of course, you know Dan and, and, and Buck and Pat Tabler, all those guys do a great job, but it is it is fun to hear and and great to hear Ben back on the radio where he belongs. Yeah, and I had Dan on here too, Dan Shalman, and he's great. And the thing with Dan is he could do both of them, like TV and radio, because he he's got that kind of a uh, smooth thing. But um, I'm I'm just like I said, I'm a, always been a radio guy growing up in the '70s, listening to Ernie Howell and Paul Carey with the Tigers, and and Tom Cheek and Jerry Howarth. I had Jerry on my podcast too. Super nice guy, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah, and Jerry's somebody I had a chance to, to meet a couple of times, and you, you could not be more right. Um, anytime I was up at Rogers Center, um, always you know, very friendly and, and wanted to, to know how things were in Buffalo, if there were players to watch, things like that to help improve um, you know, you know, his perspective on the Blue Jays minor league system. So yeah, Dan and 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 um, you know, all those guys have been great over the years and uh, could not speak more highly of any of them. 
Okay. Um, just let me know if you're pressed for time. I was just going to ask you some questions. Is that still okay, Pat? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay, no problem. Um, one thing I've learned, too, with uh, the podcast, I started a year ago. I was doing everything by script. And one of my friends who's a, a Philly sports guy, he's a huge Eagles fan, paint, face paint and all that. He's helped me out with my podcast, too. He goes, it's okay to have questions prepared and all that, but you had just talk to the guests like they're one of your friends. And that's sort of what I've been learning the last past uh, year as well, just to have an opening conversation instead of having everything all uh, scripted and that. Yeah, and that's what I try and do with my my pregame interviews for, for business broadcasts is I have an idea of what I want to say, but at the end of the day, if a player wants to lead me in another direction or I want to follow up on something, it's it's much better and much much more uh, easy to have that conversation as a conversation, not just a you know question and answer back and forth for sure. Definitely. So, okay, my first question I wanted to ask you, can you just tell my audience just a little bit about yourself and when did you know you wanted to pursue a career in uh, uh, radio and sports casting? Yeah, it, it really started when I when I worked for the Bisons in high school. And as a freshman, uh, I had a relative who worked in the front office and I just wanted a summer job. And I thought it'd be really fun to work at a baseball stadium and, and work in around sports and see if I liked it at all. And if I did, maybe it's something I could do in the future. And that's where I got the bug. And, uh, you know, as, as the piece with Ali said, I was a bat boy for four years and working in the clubhouse, uh, getting to, to meet players and, you know, see how they go about their day-to-day routines and, you know, the professionalism in, in their routines and the games themselves and how, how well they treated uh, me as the bat boy and the other people around the clubhouse. It really put the idea in my, in my head that I might want to work in sports and I always played sports, but I always thought the broadcasting side of it would be fun. And whenever I finished playing sports, that might be something I wanted to do. And quite honestly, I think if you'd asked people um, when I was younger, um, if, if this is where I ended up, they, they might not necessarily uh, think that w- would be the case because I'm a pretty quiet person. I keep to myself for the most part, um, as opposed to what you might hear on the radio uh, when I'm calling games. So um, it's a little bit different behind the mic, but uh, something I really love to do. And um, I've, I've really not wanted to do anything besides work in, in sports and the ability to work for hometown teams. My, my career path is a little bit different than most. Because just like players, a lot of times the minor league broadcasters will start out at a lower level like I did. And I started in Batavia for three years. But um, then you move to A-ball or maybe you can go right to double-A and then eventually to triple-A in the big leagues. Because I worked at WGR and helped out Sabre broadcast because I grew up playing hockey. So that's really my first love. And uh, I've always been a Sabres fan growing up. So wanting to to work on those broadcasts and in work in the broadcast that I grew up listening to was, was such an important thing to me. And then to be able to work for the Bisons as well and help out in a part-time capacity, I really had a, a, the best of both worlds. So um, I never went to double A. I really didn't, uh, I didn't go to full season single A. I ended up in a pretty good spot here in Buffalo just by, you know, some hard work and some luck mixed in along the way. And, you know, here, here's where we are today. Yeah. Being in the right place at the right time too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and that's always a part of it. And also I've learned from this too, uh, building contacts is very important in this industry as well. Yeah. And because you never know who you might come across. And that's the one thing um, that maybe I missed a little bit last year was not just trading messages with other broadcasters in the league, because, 
you know, whether they may have seen a player that the, the Bisons or the Blue Jays may have just acquired or, um, you know, someone may be in a new team or whatever. And it's a lot of those interactions that you miss the most. But, you know, you may you may work with somebody. Uh, there's a handful of guys that are already in the big leagues that, that I've worked with in just a handful of years. So to have those contacts and, you know, just to be able to, to use them as a resource or them use me as a resource uh, in the future is always, always great. And I think that's that's one thing I learned in college is I had a professor who um, – when I went to Syracuse in the Newhouse School, he was a uh, film producer, I believe it was, or, or he was a screenwriter. And we didn't have a test at the end of the semester, but he had all of our faces uh, on a piece of paper. We had to write out who everybody was. And if you didn't get that right, you would not have got a passing grade because he wanted to stress the importance of making connections, making contacts, just having those interactions with people will serve you down the road. And it was an important lesson that I learned in, I think, my junior year of college. I was going to say, and uh, I'm doing this a little bit later in life, and and um, I'm trying to do this without going to school for it. Um, I've had one professor telling me just to keep doing the podcast on a weekly basis, uh, just keep doing what I'm doing, try to keep improving. I do volunteer with Rogers TV as a camera operator here, too, and uh, I'm just hoping one day I'll have an opportunity in radio as well. Yeah, and it's great to, to be able to have this opportunity. And that's one thing that really has come out of the past year plus, year and a half, is the we had Zooms and, and podcasts and things like that yep. before, but not on this level. So, you know, for you to, to be, have so many people, whether it be Jerry Howarth or Dan Schulman or all, all these different uh, folks that you have access to now, just because you're able to just pop a laptop or, or use or use a phone and and, and you know, video conference in, it's such great to have. And, you know, that's one thing that my, my parents always stressed with me was, you know, put in the work and always have, you know, follow the dream uh, as long as possible. So whether it was, you know, through college or through high school or a little bit later on, it's, it's great to always uh, have those opportunities. And, and I hope uh, that, that you're able to reach whichever, you know, whichever goal you're, you're looking towards, uh, hopefully you can reach that sooner rather than later. Well, thank you very much. And I've been very lucky with my guests. And I, like I said, I, I'm a very appreciative of everybody coming on here. And and StreamYard, which is different from Zoom, is great because I can put graphics on my podcast. I can put my branding. And I, I like to put uh, video clips of my guests and all that stuff, too. So I'm, uh, I'm lucky I have the technology. I wish we had this 25, 30 years ago. Yeah, I mean... You know, 25, 30 years ago, we didn't have cell phones either. So it's it's uh, it's amazing how far we've come. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's great to have this technology to be able to use it. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the next time we chat, it won't be over a Zoom as much as fun as I've had over, over this uh, half hour. Uh, hopefully it'll be able to you'll be able to come down to a Bison's game and uh, we can say hi in person and and uh, have a good time at the ballpark. And also, too, uh, not just making contacts here, I've actually made quite a few friendships with people in your industry, and it's just amazing how everybody has taken me in as this 49-year-old rookie trying to get into radio. Everybody, like I said, Dave Jixter and Keith Rasford and John Murphy and, the, and all the guys from WGR, I might not live in Buffalo, but everybody there treats me like one of their own, and, and that's why I like coming to your area when, when I was able to cross the border. Yeah, and you know, one thing you 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 probably hear throughout the course of time, and you hear it when you're you're in school and you know, just starting eye on the business is it can be a difficult industry to break into, and um, you know, you're you're looking for that one opportunity maybe that that's the right one, but um, you know, that's the nice side of what what you're talking about is 
the, the better side of the, of the business and the industry that maybe for years didn't get talked about as much. But again, through this uh, through this medium and and the ability of just over the last year, those, those making those contacts and and, and, talk, and talking to those people and you know Keith Radford, somebody I grew up watching on on Channel Seven here in in Buffalo and you know the ability to to talk with those people is is invaluable and you know I'm sure. If, if you have a question or something like that, or, or just want to critique, um, you know, those are so important to us here in the business. You always have a, a wealth of people that are willing to do that. And that can be, you know, it just as, just as helpful as picking up the phone and saying hi. Definitely. And like I said, uh, there's always something new to learn on each of my podcasts. And I like asking questions and I like learning new stuff. And I, after each podcast, I do what Jerry Howarth and Dan and many have told me, always listen to your podcast again like either live or uh, on audio form and then i go through it and see what i I did okay what i did good or what i could have improved on better so i I do critique myself after each podcast and that's something i like to do in terms of my broadcast but the thing i i don't do is i don't listen to the ones that i think i did really well um just my own personality and this is just my own personal uh look on things I like to listen back to the ones where I thought I might have struggled a little bit or might not have had, you know, my best stuff that day, even though I was, you know, giving as much effort as I could because, you know, over the course of 140 games in a baseball season, uh, no, normal baseball season, they're not all going to be 10 out of 10s. And I like to listen back, not because I want to, you know, nitpick and, and pick apart what I've listened to, but but where, where I could have improved or the things that I maybe didn't pick up on or the conversation that Duke and I were having that I, I kind of let go and I should have listened back and, and uh, kept it going a little bit longer. So I, the, the fun ones and the ones that I think are the, the best ones, I don't necessarily like to listen to, but it's the ones that I really want to try and challenge myself to, to improve from the difficult ones. And that, like I said, that's just me personally. Okay, no, that's good advice. Like I said, any any advice or any, any information my guests can give me, I like to use as well. So um, that's good to know. My next question I wanted to ask you, Pat, uh, you already answered the first one, and I've improved my listening skills. Um, I, at first, I, 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 I struggled at that, but um, you've already answered the first part of it, where you went to school, Syracuse, obviously. Good basketball and football program there. Donovic McNabb, the Eagles played at Syracuse too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, this question is a second-ended question. Uh, did you have any mentor or mentors when you were first starting out in the uh, industry? Yeah, Jim Rosenhaus was a big mentor of mine because uh, I interned under him in 2004 and 2005 with the Bisons. And that was really where I got the the firm direction of broadcast play-by-play was where I wanted to go. Uh, It wasn't just a front office role, it was broadcasting. So just sitting in the booth with Rosie and Duke, he was working with Rosie at the time, um, just learning from them a little bit. I would sit in an empty suite early in the season or uh, sit in an empty broadcast booth and call a game into a mini disc recorder back then. Uh, that was the technology at the time in between cassettes and, and uh, the digital time we're in now. And he listened back to it, give me some critiques. And, and I always uh, appreciated that. And the other person that really, uh, it's unfortunate for me that he's no longer with us, but uh, Wayne Fuller was somebody who I learned from a lot in Batavia in in my three years there. And uh, he was somebody who is a, lifelong Batavia Muckdog fan, broadcaster, lifelong Batavia broadcaster, and worked in Rochester as well. And somebody I really, we worked a lot together. We traveled, we would do a lot of day trips 
to, to road games. So just sitting with him and whether it was him talking about uh, the old games he used to call in Rochester soccer, where they played against teams in Hawaii or New York city when Pele was playing uh, for the, for, in New York, uh, you know, all those different things that, that he'd experienced. And he kind of passed a lot of that down to me. And um, right before I got the, the Bison's job, Wayne passed away and um, he was somebody that I really looked up to a lot and, and helped me a lot along the way. Um, he's somebody who, like I mentioned, always was Mr. Batavia uh, broadcasting and somebody who really knew knew his roots and knew um, his audience. And that's one of the things that I really picked up a lot from Wayne is knowing your audience, uh, being a, a student of, of broadcasting and a student of the game and, and being somebody who kind of is like a historian uh, in, in real time of a baseball game of a broadcast. And that's kind of what I've modeled a lot of my uh, broadcasting uh, style after is, is Wayne and, and Rosie as well. Okay. Good to know. Cause I, I, I find when I ask my guests this question, uh, the mentor is, or mentors in most cases are really important in help helping people uh, get into radio and stuff like that. So um, yeah, thank you for answering that question. And uh, Jim, I, uh, I'm not a Cleveland fan, but him and Tom Hamilton do a really good job on the, the Cleveland broadcast, which is going to be called the, the guardians. I'm going to have to get used to that. Yeah, and I, that's I'm I'm glad for the Blue Jays that that they're back in Toronto now. But I was kind of looking forward to looking ahead to the schedule that Cleveland would have been in Buffalo, and uh, it had been an opportunity to see Rosie. I haven't really seen him in person uh, recently uh, over the last couple of years, but uh, since 2018, uh, when Cleveland was in Toronto, actually, uh, I got a great photo of, of Ben, Jim, and myself uh, on the field pregame. Uh, something that I have in my office here at home. And uh, it would have been fun to see him, but I'm, I'm glad that uh, the Blue Jays are back in Toronto. And uh, I guess I'll have to wait another year to, to say hi to Rosie. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I uh, really like going to Cleveland for baseball games too. It's a nice ballpark. I still want to call it Jacobs Field, but it's progressive field now. So, Yeah, and now that's the nice thing about growing up in Buffalo. And unfortunately, we don't have a major league team uh, here, but whether it was you know an hour and a half in the border to go to Toronto three hours, you go to Cleveland, three hours, you're down to Pittsburgh. So uh, we always had uh, the opportunities. And as a kid growing up, uh, once a year, we, my dad would take me and then eventually my brother as well. Um, some other relatives, we'd go to a, a Cleveland game. I grew up an Oakland A's fan. So uh, we always looked at the the, the newspaper and, and when the schedules came out and tried to cross-reference, you know, back before we had the internet, um, you know, when Oakland would be in Cleveland. And uh, so my best memories of, of watching baseball as a kid was going to old municipal stadium and uh, seeing Oakland against Cleveland. And even, uh, you know, as a young kid with a Oakland ace cap on, I uh, usually found my way to a, a free souvenir for one of the players. So that was always fun. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up too, my late father took me to the games in Toronto at both the old CNE stadium and the sky dome. Uh, and then uh, Tagger Stadium in Detroit, the vet Veteran Stadium in Philadelphia. And then uh, lately I've been to 13 ballparks. My goal, Pat, is to go to every Major League Baseball park. And then I would like to work on the minor league parks because I've been to Erie so far, which is nice, and Buffalo, obviously. And I would like to do some more minor league parks in the future. So it begs the question, I'm going to turn the tables for a second. Do you consider Salem Field a Major League Ballpark now that it's hosted the Blue Jays for two years? And do you that's consider true. TD Stadium or TD Ballpark in Dunedin a big league park? That's true. And I like what they did with the changes with Celine Field and all that. Uh, one question, are they going to keep the fence blue or are they going to go back to the green type fence? 
Well, I know for now, for the rest of this season, definitely it's going to stay blue. And it's one thing I think still has to be decided um, whether or not, uh, and it'd be changing out wall pads. Uh, so there are blue wall pads on there now, but we actually uh, in 2018, I believe it was, got brand new wall pads because ours had to be replaced. So um, I'm not sure what's going to end up happening. The only thing I do know is um, when you've been down to the ballpark, you probably noticed that on the 325 markers straight down the line, uh, in left and right field, there was a buffalo, a standing buffalo. Yes. When the Blue Jays were here, it was the the red maple leaf. Uh, from what I understand, it'll be the standing buffalo when when the Bisons are home next week. So whether that's permanently on blue wall pads with a standing buffalo on there, I'm not sure yet. But uh, that's you know one of those little little details that that we like to have uh, in place, hopefully before August the 10th. Okay, and I guess you guys get all new lighting, LED lights, and all of that as well now. Yeah, and that was one thing last year, um, just because of how quickly uh, the transition had to happen. Uh, the the lights at the ballpark were uh, upgraded, but they weren't fully upgraded to 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 a major league standard. There were last year uh, there were temporary uh, light fixtures that were uh, raised as as the game would start right before batting practice, um, and they would go up on a crane and go up uh, on the outsides of the ballpark. This year. The, the light stanchions were completely replaced and we've got this brand new uh, great lighting. Uh, just like if you've seen a Yankees game, uh, you know, when, when the Yankees hit a home run, uh, the lights start flashing, they start yep. strobing. And that's what uh, the lights at all of our, our ballpark will now strobe when, uh, when a Bison player hits a home run, just like for the Jays. Um, I know we won't have the foghorn like uh, up at Rogers center, but uh, we'll definitely have the same strobe light effect that, uh, that the Blue Jays had and, that's it's really going to be a nice upgrade going forward. I was going to say, and uh, yeah, like I said, a lot of the changes in that ballpark, I can't believe it's from 1988, but yeah, it's, I think it's, it's going to be around for a long time. I, I really enjoy it because it's a great view and I don't think there's a bad seat in the house at all. And the location is great too. Yeah. And that's some of the things we take pride in is it was really, not only was it built to be expanded and that's, uh, if, if you've ever been to the ballpark for the folks that are paying or watching this tonight, um, you know, the, the roof could literally be taken off and built upon uh, where that the 200 level is because the plan was to expand out the upper deck. If the Bison's minor league uh, affiliate got major league baseball. So um, that went from what was a 22,000 seat stadium when it first opened, I could have been expanded. The capacity basically doubled by just adding a, uh, what would be a third deck onto the ballpark and uh, some some other seating, um, but that never happened. But you can still see a lot of the elements of what it was like uh, 34 years ago when, when the ballpark first opened. And uh, going back downtown, it was uh, the rock pile, uh, the old War Memorial Stadium was still in the city, but it wasn't downtown necessarily. So moving the stadium back downtown and then the retro look of the ballpark is something we take a lot of pride in because uh, after that, you have Camden Yards and the same group, HOK group at the time, built Camden Yards. A lot of the same elements they took from then Pilot Field. So, um, you know, that was the couple of things of moving the stadium back downtown. And then also that retro look of the ballpark were things that um, were done specifically in Buffalo. And then uh, in a lot of cases used on the major league level years later. 
I was going to say, and I think what they did, the Jays did with the field, the grass field looks awesome, especially on TV. And I'm hoping one day Toronto, I, I'm not a fan of the Rogers Center or Skydome. I hope one day Toronto can build an outdoor ballpark uh, similar to what you have in Buffalo. Yeah, and you know, I guess it'd bring back the old days of, of all the old exhibition stadium in the early parts of the year if it doesn't have a dome. And, uh, you know, you could have a couple of games with, with snow on the field. So uh, yeah. that's something we deal with down here every year uh, yeah. in April. And like I mentioned, you know, we got postponed our first handful of games in 18. You just learn to live with it, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to ask you a couple more questions, Pat, if that's okay. You still good for time? Sure. Okay. Um, how did you come about working for uh, WGR 550? And what was your first job in radio? That was my first job in radio. Okay. Um, and I started working there in 2006. Um, and quite honestly, it's another case where I had a relative who just had a great connection with somebody at, at, at then Entercom. Now it's now Odyssey, our parent company. Um, and I had an interview um, with the, the station general manager and um, we talked sports for about a half hour. I met with the program director, uh, Andy Roth was our program director back in 2006. And I just started working nights and weekends. It's the old, you know, you, you work a lot of nights, you lot, work a lot of weekends, a lot of holidays. I've worked Thanksgiving, I've worked Christmas, you know, you name it, 4th of July, all those, all those holidays. I've worked them all uh, over the course of now uh, 15 years. It'll be this December um, at, at WGR. And um, I always wanted to be, again, like uh, the goal was to be on the Bison broadcast at some point. My goal was to work on the Sabre broadcast because uh, as a kid growing up, I would go to a lot of Sabre games with my dad or my uncle would take me a lot. And we'd listen to the post-game show, the round table on the way home and just listening to some of the greats of Buffalo radio and them breaking down the game or talking to the players, taking phone calls. That was my goal. Once I started working at WGR was to be a part of that in some way. And, you know, I, I didn't mention him before, but I guess uh, I really should mention Paul Hamilton, who's, our reporter at WGR for, for the Sabres, and he covers the Bills as somebody who is, is a mentor of mine. Um, from the time I started working on the broadcasts, I've worked with Brian Koziel uh, for, for the entire time I've worked on those broadcasts. Paul is somebody who has not only become a mentor, but a, a great friend of mine as well. Uh, I think I can call him a, a great friend uh, now. He's uh, somebody I've really, if I've had an issue or he needs to, to, to let me know something, I have no problem going to him. He has no problem coming to me and letting me know something. So um, he's somebody that I've always uh, looked to as somebody who's helped me and to be working on a broadcast with Paul and Brian uh, on a game by game basis. And whether we have our own round table or when I would fill in for Paul, I've a handful of times I've, I've taken over as the Sabres uh, reporter on an interim role um, when, when Paul needed some time off. Um, it's something I, I've really taken, uh, you know, I really enjoy doing it and love doing it. Uh, like I mentioned, having grown up playing hockey uh, my entire life, it's something I've kind of grown up on the ice being from Buffalo. So um, that's that's where I got my start. Okay, I was going to say, and uh, Brian told me the similar story. I had Brian on here a few months ago, too, with Paul Hamilton. I guess he's helped and worked with a lot of the the newer people with uh, your station and the Sabres broadcast. And that helps you, too, when somebody like him, who's been in the profession a long time, takes the time to give you advice and, and give you guidance and all that. Absolutely. At the time, you know, Paul's more than 40 years in the business now. At the wow. time, he was almost 30 years in. You know, how can you not learn and want to learn from somebody who is 
called a, a Wayne Gretzky goal in the past or interviewed Wayne Gretzky in the, in, in the past or talked to some of the greatest ever in, in hockey and in football and, you know, in certain times gone toe-to-toe with, with a certain athlete, uh, you know, whether it was, you know, the, the, question, the line of questioning or how to ask a question because it's, it's one thing to ask a question, but it's being able to, to get an answer a lot of times is, is a part of the, the nuance of it as well. And something I'm sure other guests have mentioned in the past. So just Paul working with me on, you know, how to formulate uh, your questions and, and how to really listen to the player and how to be able to react to some of their answers as well. And that's about as great of advice as anybody could have given me. And one thing I've learned too, um, uh, Pat here is when I had Ken Daniels from the Red Wings on, um, I brought up um, his late son, Jamie Daniels. He has a foundation for his late son. And I've learned how to open up with some guests. Sometimes you just ask a guest a question and then it can uh, break break the ice. What's the term? Yeah, break the ice, mm-hmm. I guess. And then they, they just, they open up because there's been a few guests where uh, at first it took a, a few minutes, but then when they realize they can trust you and you're asking good questions, then you can build a rapport with them. Yeah, and that's something you you'll, you kind of just have to learn as you go. And you you can be uh, told certain things, and Paul has helped me with that. But then, you know, you're on your own to, to kind of work through that. So, yeah, it's, it's something that I think everybody has to learn in, in some capacity of, you know, how to build that relationship with whoever you're talking to. And in a lot of cases, you're just talking to a player for three, four minutes at the most. And if you're in a if you're in a, uh, an interview where there's five or six other people, you only may get one or two questions. And so how to ask it the right way or, or how to get that trust so that the next time you talk to that player, uh, they trust you uh, enough to, you know, really give you an honest and an open answer and in something that uh, informs the listener and you. So that really is something that is really, you know, something that you, you kind of just have to learn. And I try to watch a lot of guys on TV and radio on how they ask questions. Like the uh, the lady in Toronto, Hazel Mays, I like mm-hmm. how she does her interviews with uh, the Blue Jay players or the other team. She uh, It's not like an interview. It's like it's just a conversation and just talking to them like a, a regular person. And, and, and it just seems to get more people out of there. Like I think she's one of the best in the business. Yeah, Hazel's great. And yep. if, if you ever go down to spring training or, or see her, uh, you know, pregame, that's how she is in person. Uh, Hazel is not you know the way she conveys uh, you know her herself to the player and to the to the viewer is how she is in person. So you know it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about uh, just you know very good people in the industry and wanting to help you. And you know Hazel, somebody that uh, when I first went to spring training a couple of years ago, um, her and her photographer at the time, I I had the opportunity to ride with them to a spring training game and and just you know, talk to them a little bit and, and, you know, they, they made me feel very welcome in, in that setting. So yeah, you know, you could not, could not ask for uh, some better people to, to watch and follow and, and learn from. Okay. But next question I wanted to ask you, Pat, um, what do you enjoy the most about radio as a reporter, anchor, producer, and as a play-by-play voice of the bills? And, and then my other part is what is the hardest aspect of the industry? And can you just tell my audience just quickly a little bit about being the manager of media relations for the Buffalo Bisons? Sure. So I'll start with that one. It's, it's the easy one. Um, you know, in minor league baseball, you're not only in a lot of cases, just the, the radio play-by-play voice or the, the ticket, uh, ticket operations uh, person, you're always wearing a lot of, a lot of different hats and in a lot of different roles. So, you know, a lot of it is just uh, when the Blue Jays make a roster move for the Bisons, making sure that 
everybody is in 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 communication about that move. You know, the Bisons are in Lehigh Valley right now. Um, yesterday, there were a handful of moves like Otto Lopez is now on the Bison. So making sure that our roster is up to date, that the folks in Lehigh Valley uh, have that information. And we do a daily game notes, which all teams do. Um, I'm in charge of, of making sure those are uh, distributed every day. So that's a, a good chunk of my morning is you know, putting together the game notes for that day, updating player statistics, the roster moves, uh, maybe who the starting pitcher is that day, and putting all that together, sending out to, to our media here in Buffalo and and the media that covers the Blue Jays uh, and some other folks along the way and, and making sure all that's ready to go. Um, you know, as simple as if, if a media member wants to come to a Bison's game, uh, you know, making sure they have a credential at, at our credentialing table and making sure they have a spot in our press box, all those different things, helping to arrange for a, a player interview pregame. If uh, during batting practice, a member of the media wants to talk to, whether it's a player or Casey Candel, our manager, post game, making sure our, our Zooms are set up and, and run uh, properly. So that's a lot of the media relations side of it. And it just, you know, it's part of being, being the minor league broadcaster is you're involved with the team so much, um, you know, embedded with them when we're on the road uh, coming up again soon. So it's, it's such an easy, easy responsibility to take on. And then, you know, the thing I, I like the most, and this is, you know, I, I just enjoy being in the booth with my broadcast partner, or when we get on the road and not just because you're going to new cities or different cities, but, you know, getting to see other fans and, and getting to see other teams, because the one constant I, I've really found of broadcasters that either move on to higher levels or um, leave the international league, it's, you always come back to, it's the people you miss the most. It's the, the, whether it's the press box attendant, uh, the person in Syracuse, Donnie always takes great care of us. Make sure that we have everything we need when we go to Syracuse. And, you know, he puts a sign on the door welcoming us and and how many hours and days and, and months it's been since our last trip there. It's those little things that over the course of of 140 game season when you're traveling, you know, on average every other week and, you know, you're, you're not sleeping at home for, for seven days at a time. And it's it's a fun life. It's, you know, it's it's not something I take for granted, but it definitely those little things and those people you meet along the way are what makes it uh, fun when you're on the road or, you know, those little places that you might go to uh, for breakfast or for lunch uh, before a game that, that, that make it nice. And uh, the hardest part of it is, you know, just, just making sure you're doing the best, the best job you can. Like I said, you know, over the course of 140 games, you're not going to always have your A game, but making sure that you are giving your best effort to me is always something that I, I, I strive for. And it's something that, you know, in, when you get to July and you're over game 100, um, sometimes you can you can start to feel a little bit, but not letting that happen um, and making sure that the people listening uh, have the best uh, the best broadcast that you can put forward, I think, is really something that that I try and keep uh, a conscious watch over. And uh, Jerry Harwis was saying that too, consistency, uh, consistency. And also he was telling me about how Jack Morris came in to the booth uh, in 2013. And when the score wasn't so good, Jack would kind of be quiet. And Jerry basically told me the uh, words complete game, treat a broadcast or even my podcast like a complete game. Just do the best you can, but be consistent every, uh, every time you do a podcast or a baseball play-by-play -play game as well. Yeah, and that's that's great advice and something to strive for. And 
you know, have fun in the process because when you're having fun, uh, the, the time seems to go a lot quicker. So uh, that's always something I try and remember is have fun with the broadcast. At the end of the day, uh, if Duke and I are having a good time. That usually means that, um, you know, our listeners are having a good time as well. Okay. And I'll just get two more questions. Are you okay for a couple more minutes? Sure. Okay. Uh, my other question I was, um, what was it? I guess you already answered the first part of it. So I'll just ask you the second part of the question. What's it like working alongside uh, Duke McGuire, who's been doing the Bison's games for many, many years? It's great. It, it's, I can't wait uh, to be back in the broadcast booth with him August 10th, because not only is he a great person and he's made the, the transition uh, into the full-time play-by-play voice that much easier for me, especially 2018, but just the knowledge he has, having been drafted and played professional baseball, having managed uh, even at one point, uh, you know, his time throughout his baseball travels, uh, all that he brings to the table and letting him be the expert and making sure that people know that he's the expert on our broadcasts. Um, He makes it easy and, you know, he brings a lot of fun and a lot of levity to it. So uh, that's that's one thing. Uh, Duke has been great to work with. Somebody I've known, uh, you know, since 2004 when I started helping out in the booth and always very welcoming and really making you feel like, you know, whether it's your first day there or your your thousandth day there, that you're you're a part of it uh, is really, you know, he makes it really easy. I was going to say, obviously, you'll be doing the home games uh, starting next week. Are you guys going to be doing the road games this year, broadcasting, or are you guys going to do that from your home, I guess, how that works? The plan is is to go on the road, and it's still still kind of finalizing it. But uh, yeah, the plan is to to do all the road games and be in those cities. Um, I'll travel for those. So uh, looking forward to, you know, and, and that's the one thing in the big leagues. Uh, I know the the setup is a lot easier because you've got a lot more camera angles. In the minors, you're watching the game broadcast as it's happening. So it's there are a lot harder things to do in life. I understand that. Um, but, you know, to, to call a broadcast and to be able to give the listeners um, the your best, um, it's not the ideal setup. So um, the ability to go on the road uh, for the final four road trips of the year is is really uh, going to be a nice, a nice thing to have on our belt. I was going to say, and after not being doing it for a year and a half, I think we're all going to appreciate things more than we did before, maybe. Oh, no doubt. That, absolutely. I can't wait for, for just a handful of days from now. Okay. I just... Two more questions I wanted to ask you quick. I had to ask you this one because uh, what's your predictions on the 21-22 Sabres? And what do you see, what are your expectations for this uh, 2021 Buffalo Bills team? Well, for the Bills, I expect them to win the AFC East again. And I, I expect them to be, you know, in the hunt, so to speak. You know, it's a, that's a term we used to throw around here all the time, seeing when the Bills would be in the hunt in, in December and never make the playoffs. But really in the conversation for AFC championship and not just to play in the game, but to really make some headway this year and, and be a force to be reckoned with in the AFC and a chance to, to represent uh, the conference in the Super Bowl. I don't think that's outside the realm of expectation. You know, Josh Allen uh, pending good health will be it. I think he took a great step forward last year uh, in terms of his quarterback ability abilities and what, what he can do with a team that didn't have a running game really, uh, in the playoffs for sure. And then towards the tail end of the season. So if they are able to get a running game going uh, to complement what Josh Allen and his wide receivers can do, I think the sky's the limit. The defense uh, got better as the year went on last year and having Starla Tulele back uh, as somebody who can just 
you know, be the, the people eater up the middle and and really take on the, the offensive line and, and something that the Bills didn't have necessarily last year uh, might open some lanes for guys like A.J. Epineza, who was warm as a rookie last year, and I think he's going to have a lot of a good good games ahead of him uh, still in just his second season. And for the Sabres, um, you know, I, I look at this roster and I look at this coaching staff as the right coaching staff for this team. And I don't want to give a – I don't think it, this is a playoff team for the Sabres, but I don't want to, you know, I don't have a prediction on where they're going to finish, but I do think that there are going to be a lot of players that we saw take a step forward or get back to where they were prior to 2020 and 2021 and take that next step. I think a player like Rasmus Dahlin, who regressed under Ralph Kruger, I think you could easily see the progress under Don Granato in a handful of games. Henry Yokihari, who was a great defensive trade for the Sabres, flipping for Alex Nylander at the time uh, to Chicago. And he took a step back. Yokihari played uh, worse under Kruger and then better under Don Granato. And then on the offensive side of things, what is Tate Thompson going to do this year? Can he continue to be a, a better player than he was over his first year and a half with the Sabres? So, it's the players I'll be watching to see if they continue to get better than necessarily an actual standings record-wise. Okay. Um, Jake, quick quick, quick answer on this one. Uh, Jack Eichel remain a Sabre, or do you think he'll be moved on, traded? I think we're to the point where Jack Eichel will be on a new team, and uh, I think that's the, that's the, the biggest uh, challenge ahead for Kevin Adams and, and one that uh, definitely will um, – I don't have any reason to think he won't be able to, uh, if, if that comes – to light get a good deal for the Sabres okay and um what is your favorite Buffalo sports memory and your favorite Bison's player you've seen play and interview uh, well I mean I was at the comeback game for the Bills I know like the million other people in Western wow Europe, but I actually do have the ticket stubs uh to prove it in the game program so yeah I, I wouldn't let my dad leave at halftime as a kid um it was a Saturday afternoon he took the day off of work and I said let's just stay for a little bit longer um, so I was there for that, and I had the good fortune of being at uh, the, the the overtime game against the the New Jersey Devils in what the '94 playoffs, uh, when the Sabers and Devils went you know a handful of overtimes, and and that the game winning goal there uh, for Dave Hannon was I didn't stay for that one. We didn't stay for the end because uh, being I think when '94 I was probably ten years old. My brother was six, so once it got to probably eleven o'clock around midnight. I'm sure both of us were, were ready to call it a night. So, uh, you know, I've been had the good fortune of being at some of the great moments in Buffalo sports history just by by happenstance. Um, and then favorite Bison's player I've interviewed, that's a, that's a really good one. I don't remember a single interview, but I, I remember a lot of just being able to get a lot of out of out of players in terms of, you know, having them open up a little bit. And I, I think of Ricky Romero as somebody – that I had the opportunity to talk to when he was optioned um, to the Bisons and, you know, really looking to get back to the big leagues. But I remember a conversation I had with him in Pawtucket and um, you, you could tell as the interview went on, he got more comfortable and, and he really opened up and gave some great answers. So um, that's one that I remember. Um, I mean, in terms of players, I mean, I bat boyed when Manny Ramirez was on a major league rehab assignment with the Bisons, um, you know, just some of the all-time greats, uh, in a Cleveland Indians uniform, came through Buffalo, whether it was uh, as a draft pick and a prospect or on a rehab assignment. I mean, having a chance to do a, a post-game interview with Jose Bautista at, after he 
had a rehab assignment with the Bisons, just talking to him as he came off the field, interviewed him in the dugout uh, before we went to break uh, in postgame. You know, just things like that over the years have been just moments that really stick out and, and things I, I really uh, have enjoyed. Yeah, and I guess it should have rewarded it as most memorable player because it's hard to have a favorite uh, a player or players uh, in this. So I should have said most memorable, but I always like to ask those questions too. And, and honestly, there's a lot of players like uh, somebody who's Jeremy Ware, who's actually um, from, I think, Orangeville, Ontario, somebody who was a player on the Bisons in 2002, and he was a role player uh, and even was in the Expos organization for a while, went back to the Montreal system uh, late in that 2002 season. And um, after I went away to college, I had a radio show, and I literally sent a letter to probably over 100 former players that that played on the Bisons, uh, and he was one of them. And even though he didn't uh, respond to the letter right away, he was somebody who, in 2019, I still had the same cell phone number. He called the, the cell phone number I left to, to to arrange an interview with, and him and his family came down to a Bisons game. So there's a lot of players, not just guys that made the big leagues, but people that have re- represented, whether I know he represented Canada, I think, in the 2000 or 2004 Olympics, uh, I believe it was, uh, at one point. So there's a lot of just good people that, that have played for the Bisons over the years that I remember as well. And I believe uh, Jeremy's from Guelph because I oh. remember Guelph and I think he went to the same high school with me as well. Okay. So there's the connection there. Yes. Small world. And apparently um, when I was talking to, who was it talking to Brad before Brad, who's your assistant GM, uh, he was mentioning Scott Diamond was with uh, the Bisons for a short time and he was from Guelph, Ontario too. Yeah. And we've had a lot of great players come, come over the years from, from Canada and uh, Andrew Albers, uh, Jeff Francis. Uh, and I think the two of them may have played in the Pan Am games at the same time that uh, they were on the Bison. So yeah. uh, yeah, I've had a lot of, a lot of uh, players from just over the other side of the border. Okay. Um, I just, I got one last question for you, but before I ask that last question, AAA baseball this year, they're not having a playoff format. Are they, are they still doing playoffs or are they just going to have uh, champions from each division? How will that work? So whoever has the best record at the end of the season will be the league champion in AAA East. But there's also, uh, I think what they call the stretch run, it's 10 games we're added to our schedule. Uh, the lower levels are having playoffs, but because there are the potential for guys on the 40-man roster to be in the big leagues, uh, our season mirrors the end of the regular season in the big leagues, October 3rd. So they added 10 games and Tuesday are off days but the Bisons will have an extra homestand of five days against Lehigh Valley, and they'll close the season with a Wednesday through Sunday series at Syracuse. Those are the extra 10 games added to the schedule. And the team's record, I think, is what, 46 and 29 right now, I believe? Yep, heading into tonight's game, 46 and 29. And I believe, only because we don't have the standings that way, I think it's four games back of Durham for the best record in AAA East. Okay, and Bison's MVP, from what I see, is Kevin Smith, your shortstop? Yeah, far and away in when you talk to folks, he had a bad 2019. There's no two ways about it, but it was just a blip on the radar for Kevin Smith. So uh, that was a, a, a tough year in 19, and maybe his prox- prospect status took a hit, but he hit better than 300 uh, in the month of July. And to, to be hitting over 300, he was 302, the high watermark of his batting average this year. And that came just about a week ago. Uh, to, to get your batting average to that point, he's hitting 297 uh, entering tonight's game at Lehigh Valley. That shows a lot for a guy who had never played AAA baseball before. Wow. Did not know that. Yeah. And he'll probably be one of the guys the Blue Jays call up, I guess, in, in September, I believe. 
Well, that's that's the unique thing now is you know the the old the old way of things. If you're on the 40 man roster, you're eligible to be called up. But now with rosters being at 26 players, part of the 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 bargaining agreement between the players and the and the owners, you only get two extra spots in September. So okay, uh, whether, whether it's someone on the 40 man currently or whether you want to add somebody like Kevin Smith, you have to create a spot for them because I don't believe he's on the 40 man roster as of right now. I don't think he's been uh in, he may have been uh, Rule Five eligible last year, but just not taken because of um, the down year he had in 2019. But definitely somebody that if he's not on the 40 man roster this this winter for sure, uh, I'm sure other teams would would love to have a player like him uh, be on their big league roster come 2022. Okay, good to know. I did not know that they changed that. Is that just because of the pandemic, or is that going to be a, a a new thing now with Major League Baseball and the minor leagues? That was going to be something heading into 2020 permanent. And then I, th- I think because of the pandemic, it kind of got uh, lost in the shuffle of, of of the of what the rosters were going to look like. But yeah, 26 players permanently, and then 28 uh, once September 1st rolls around. Because you know some of those games, you'd see teams that you know clinch the playoff spot, and they don't need any of the regulars. You've got 10 guys pitching in the game, and it takes four hours for for a game that doesn't need anything uh, in the standings. I think Major League Baseball and the players realized that things needed to be changed a little bit. Okay. Last question, Pat. And again, I want to say thank you for coming on and I'm sorry I kept you a little bit too long. I, I just love talking sports and, 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 and learning your, about your profession and, and the Buffalo Bisons. And, and I was going to say, um, my last question is, do you have any advice, not just for myself, but anyone that's uh, watching or listening that wants to, is looking to pursue a career in radio and where can my audience find you also on social media? My best advice is try and learn something from whatever experience you're in. And I didn't always work in in, in broadcasting. I, I've had other jobs throughout the course of, of trying to get to where I am today, but I've always tried to take something from it. And whether it be an interaction with somebody that, that would help me in the future or a skill that I didn't learn or know I had and try and apply it to uh, broadcasting. I think it's just advice in general of anybody, people I've spoken to classes before. And that's the, the thing I say is wh- whether you're going into broadcasting or want to be a doctor or want to be whatever it is in life, I think th- the ability to learn from whatever situation you're in can really help you and, you know, help you attain that goal that you're striving towards. And, you know, if, you, and it's, it's easier said than done, but, you know, if, if you have that, that passion and want to do something, like broadcasting, you know, try and find ways like you're doing, you know, whether it's, you know, at 49 years old, having a podcast and, and interacting with other media members and, and making contacts and, and creating those relationships. Or if it's somebody who's just 19 trying to figure out how to get into college radio and, and build up a resume there. I think that's, that's just, you know, being able to do that and, and get involved and learn from it as much as possible is, is something I think is invaluable. And uh, you can see it, uh, you can find me on social media at Pat WGR. Uh, that's that's my social media, my Twitter account, um, and that's where you know all my uh, Bison's related, Sabers related, uh, just in general, uh, anything related uh, tweets might be. So uh, yeah, love to keep the followers uh, in tune with what's going on, and every once in a while sprinkle in uh, you know the cities we're in, what what we might be doing that day, and different places we might be visiting, and. Whether, what golf courses over the last 18 months I might have played uh, over and over and over again. So uh, that's where you can find me. Sure. Okay. And also um, on Odyssey, Odyssey 
facebook.com wgr550 as well and uh one of my podcasts this weekend i've got two young guys from the intercounty baseball here in ontario london majors and one of the color analysts is only a 15 year old uh i wouldn't call him a kid i think he's gonna have a bright future in broadcasting so i'm looking forward to talking to these guys uh, his name's dylan and it's gonna be nice to talk to these guys because they're they're very young but they uh, seem to have a bright future in uh um, broadcasting. That's awesome. And, and getting the opportunity at that age is so, is so important too. And being able to learn and, and, and all those different things that, that you, you and I may have learned, uh, you know, many years after 15. So that's, that's great to hear. And I look forward to, uh, seeing Dylan one day, maybe in uh, AAA East or, or down here in Buffalo very soon. Definitely. I'll have to send you a link to my, uh, my podcast on audio version and maybe you'll be, might be able to listen to it maybe next week or something in that, but I'm looking forward to that. And I have uh, Chuck Swarski coming on Friday from the Chicago bulls. So I'm looking forward to that, but uh, Pat, I was going to say, I'm going to let you go. Cause I know the Bison's games tonight at Lehigh. And, and uh, I want to say thank you so much for coming on live with CDP. And I'm hoping maybe again, I can have you on again as a guest and we'll talk more uh, Buffalo Bison's baseball. Sounds great, Chris. Thanks for the time. I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation and, uh, you know, looking forward to the next time we chat. Thanks a lot, Pat. Have a great night and go Bisons. You as well. Go Herd. You too. Take care. Thank you, Pat. Mm -hmm. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed my uh, uh, podcast tonight with Pat Malacaro, uh, the radio voice of the Buffalo uh, Bisons. You can also check him out on WGR550.com as well as his Twitter page. Uh, you can follow Pat on Twitter, at PatWGR as well. Uh, and also, guys, if you want to check out the Buffalo Bisons website, uh, go to www.minorleaguebaseball.com slash Buffalo. And once the border opens, I would recommend AAA uh, baseball to anybody who's a baseball fan. Uh, the B Buffalo Bisons do a great job with their ticket prices and their promotions as well. So I'm looking forward to that. And before I go, I'm just going to read some comments. Uh, let's see. Mark Richardson, thank you for watching as always. Fun, nice guest. Please check out Pat on social media, Mark. And thank you for watching. I really appreciate that. And uh, let's see. Uh, guys, I'm just going to wrap this up. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know uh, my podcast is originally scheduled tomorrow, uh, Wednesday at three o'clock with Angie Hill from the Bounce 99.5 in Kitchener-Waterloo. Unfortunately, Angie has another commitment. Something came up at the last minute uh, today. So uh, there will be no live with CDP podcast tomorrow, Wednesday at three o'clock. Uh, just to let you know, Angie's Angie Hill's going to uh, email me and we're going to work out another uh, uh, day and time that Angie can come on live with CDP. So again, guys, no uh, live with CDP podcast tomorrow at three o'clock. And uh, hopefully we'll have Angie back on to get Angie back on again sometime in August as well. So my next live with CDP podcast, Friday, August 6th. 9.45 a.m. That's 9.45 a.m. Chuck Swarski, the radio voice of the Chicago Bulls on 670, the score in Chicago, will be coming on and we'll talk about his long career in broadcasting, especially radio, talk about his career when he started out in Chicago, then went to Detroit, then Toronto and back in Chicago. And we'll talk, we all talk some Bulls basketball with Chuck and their draft. Uh, I don't think we'll be able to talk free agency with Chuck uh, at this moment, but uh, looking forward to uh, talking to one of the best radio play-by-play -play announcers in uh, basketball and then Chuck Swarski. 
So I hope you guys can tune in this Friday at 9.45 a.m., which is 6.45 on the West Coast time, to check Swarovski uh, as well. And before I go, guys, I always do this live with CDP podcast audio version, which will be downloaded after this is on Google podcast, anchor FM, Apple podcast, breaker, pocket cast, radio, public, Spotify, cast box. And I also put my podcasts on my LinkedIn page as well. So uh, anyways, guys, uh, I'm going to call this a show, but uh, we'll look forward to uh, speaking with Chuck Swarski again, 945 this Friday morning on live with CDP. Thank you, everyone, for watching live on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch streaming. Please check out Twitch streaming as well. I'm hoping one day to get back on Facebook, but at this point, I have no idea if Facebook is going to reinstate my uh, page or not. But the podcast will keep going on. So, And uh, like I said, guys, if anybody's interested in a Live with CDP podcast shirt, they're $15. Just please uh, send me a direct message on my social media account, and we'll work something out. All right, guys. Uh, thanks again to Pat Malacaro, uh, the radio voice of the Buffalo Bisons on ESPN 1520 in Buffalo. And please check out buffalobisons.com as well. All right, guys. Have a great night, and we'll see you guys Friday morning at 945. Have a great night. Take care.